start. Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, broski? Game week. I think this week's going to tell us a ton about who we are. By the way, uh, no guarantees. No guarantees. We expect to kick ass. If we don't kick ass, that's not good. If we do kick ass, then we, we got to do it another week in a row. So, uh, you know, let, 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 let the bullets fly. Y'all got to continue to step up Sooners every week. We expect you guys to win big this week. That's my expectations uh, for the season. Man, we're going to talk about it. OU has a big one coming up against SMU. But first, make sure to go follow the X at Barry and Mac SHW. DMAC is at D underscore Mac 13. Follow me at, at BYS Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness and go leave a rating and review. The rating and reviews have been flowing in since the season started, DMAC. Uh, I went on there today, had three over there on Apple. You guys, it helps really blow up the show. The The reviews are so good for the algorithm that uh, it kicks the show up, the rankings. We had a lot of people say they loved our breakdowns after the game. They love the previews. They like the back and forth. So really great to hear. But as DMAC said, SMU coming to town. SMU coming off of a win, 1-0. Sooners 1-0. So two undefeated teams matching up in Norman this weekend. SMU took care of business against Louisiana Tech 38 to 14. And as we all know, the Sooners 73 to 0. DMAC, we saw 87 players play in the opener. You're now going to be playing an SMU team that has 14 seniors in their starting lineup. I counted right before we went on, just to double check. I think BV had said 15, but any. Anyways, they are 14 to 15 seniors in their starting lineup. You've got some young Sooners trying to work their way in, find their roles. What does it look like after game one when you played such, I won't say an inferior opponent, but really an opponent you were supposed to beat up on? And now you got SMU who you're still supposed to beat up on, but they got some more talent on that team. It's no question about it. They got skill position guys. They got a few guys on that O-line that are experienced. Uh, they may be inexperienced on defense, particularly in the middle. Got a true freshman middle linebacker, but a, a secondary that's experienced with some transfers. How do you approach this week? How much of a kind of tighten up the lineup tighten up the depth chart type um, strategy takes place when you're going to be placing, I mean, you're playing a future ACC team, right? Who just SMU just joined the ACC, a bunch of weird financial things with that, but a team that's, that's got some guys, how, how does the coaching staff approach it? And then from a player perspective, is there a focus that has to ratchet up a little bit? Yeah. So there's three things that I think we, uh, we look at number one, um, every week's its own game. And, you know, the movie any given Sunday, college football, it's any given Saturday. So you got to respect your opponent. You got to respect an opponent that's coming off a win streak. I don't care who they beat. Uh, and so, you know, this week, uh, the players had to do everything in their power to make sure they locked in. I know they schemed SMU a little more than they schemed Archie State. Archie State was a glorified scrimmage. We were as vanilla as can be. Uh, we ran the same eight plays. If you if you watched the game, we ran the same eight plays, 75% of the game. Uh, we tried a couple things because we could. And I'm, by the way, I'm speaking on both sides of the ball. The defense lined up in a, in a 40 front primarily or in their 30 front with the cheetah at 10. Um, really, those are the only looks that we saw. So this week is an opportunity for us to, I think, uh, you know, take a little more uh, of the nuance of our defense and and show it. There's still going to be things that the defense is not going to show. There's still going to be things that, you know, we're still going to be 
uh, um, interviewing guys for starting positions, right? You're going to see a lot of rotations happening. By the way, I am, <clears throat> I imagine that happens to the first half, no matter what. I mean, unless we're like down 17-0 in the first quarter, then I think mm. you see a really, you know, strict, uh, maybe your top 11 plus three or four guys on both sides of the ball. If that doesn't happen, what I, which I don't think anyone thinks that'll happen, I think you'll see a lot of uh, substitutions through the first half um, and even into the third quarter before, of course, if we're up big, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll empty the benches. But I want to date myself and use an analogy, right? And the analogy I want to use, Barry, is uh, I, when I was a kid, there was this uh, video game system out called Nintendo, the original NES system. Have you ever played the original Nintendo? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever play a game called Kung Fu? I don't think I ever played a game called Kung Fu. Yeah, no. Got to be an OG. To, okay, okay. I got another yeah. one. Yeah. Do you ever play a game called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Yes. Yes. Okay. So so Arky State was Glass Joe, right? Glass Joe's <laughs> the first dude you fight. You basically, if you know how to click the buttons, you're going to beat him. Like, he literally can't knock you down. It's impossible. If you've ever played the game and you know who Glass Joe is, his name is Glass Joe for a reason. That was Arky State, right? I would say the level of competition has raised up to like Bald Bull the first time you play him. Bald Bull is a guy who's fairly formidable, and if you let him kind of do his thing, he'll beat you. Bald Bull don't mind kicking your ass, right? But the first time you play Bald Bull, he's still very beatable. If you know how to hit him in the mouth and then four times in the gut, you can pretty much take his energy down methodically, right? And so I look at an SMU, and I, I, I liken them to us you know, playing Mike Tyson's punch out against ball bull, right? Uh, SMU has some glaring issues uh, within their talent or lack thereof that we need to take advantage of. Number one being their tackles. Their offensive tackles are guys who we should methodically be able to beat on a consistent basis and put them in position to to have issues. And, and, and the reason I say that is because I know SMU wants to beat us over the deep middle. And in order to get to the deep middle, the quarterback's going to need time. Those are progression routes or action-oriented routes, right? And those are routes where if the tackles can't hold up, we will consistently get pressure, be in the quarterback's face, and put Stone in a position where he's not comfortable. So some very simple things where just the Jimmys and Joes don't add up for them. If we can stick to our keys and be the better athletes on Saturday, those things will happen. Uh, I'm just going to put this out there right now. Hot take. I expect Peyton Bowen to get an interception. I just feel like that kid has it. I feel like he's a natural um I don't know depth charts and things of that nature, but I feel like he earned additional reps based upon how he played last Saturday, and I just feel like he's the type of guy if the opportunity presents itself, he's going to catch the ball and do something with it, be looking out for Peyton Bowen and get a pick, because I know SMU is going to do everything they can to attack over the middle. They want to run action, they want to run RPO, they're going to pull the ball out, try to get the backers to step up and hit us over the top, or hit us over the backers in front of the safeties, and I just feel like Peyton Bowen's going to be in that 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 uh, robber area where he's going to have the responsibility of robbing the 10 to 12 to 15 yard in cut, this, the, the bang eight post, the, the quick scene post. And, and let's just see if he makes a boom tackle and, or has a pick on Saturday. Um, and so, yeah, I look at the game. We'll, we'll obviously go into more details about different things, but I'm just going to use the analogy of bald bull. The first time for the OGs out there who have a Nintendo or played Mike Tyson's chat on nintendo who know what i'm talking about hopefully you guys respect that if you're a youngster youtube it or i'm sure they have like the little deals where you could stream it bluetooth it or something play the oh, game yeah. when you get the first time you know you see what i'm talking about yep man so so you uh you touched on it smu's got a guy at quarterback who is not going to be a uh shroud for arkansas state bv talked about him in the press conference uh coach venable said that he can complete some balls he can, he can run on you a little bit. Uh, talking about Preston Stone, uh, going over the numbers, 23 of 37, 248 yards, three touchdowns, more importantly, no picks. So OU is really going to have to come to play. They've got some receivers. The Texas teams, you know, we talked about this in the preseason, just as a group, uh, kind of on, the, on our admin chats and whatnot. I said I thought SMU was going to be a – Maybe even a little more in a better indicator than the Nebraska game a year ago of just where OU currently sits defensively. 
Texas teams always have solid guys at the skill positions. Usually they've got one or two. And Preston Stone, a quarterback, going to make things interesting. But I want to talk about the backfield. You've got LJ Johnson, who went off for nine yards of carry, um, had 128 yards on 14 carries, had a touchdown, uh, long of, uh, I want to say, 60, 70 yards. Um, and then you have Jalen Knighton, 17 carries, 66 yards, two tugs. So linebacker, of course, was an issue for the Sooners a year ago. You've got an opener now where you don't quite know who your guys are. Well, we saw them trot out Stutz and Canick, but it feels like they're still working out who those main guys are going to be. At Cheetah, you know, we'll see. Uh, um, Deshaun, of course, reportedly questionable, kind of going forth uh, really through the non-conference. I would say based on just having an inversion sprain, you're probably looking at a three- to four-week deal, but we'll see. Nothing official coming out of that camp yet. But linebacker play as it relates to the run game, DMAC. I want you to just break down what is going to be important for these guys to focus on. And as OU is getting to rotating guys in and out, your, your Kip Lewis's, your Kobe McKenzie's, what are what are the things that the eye in the sky coach is going to be looking for to decide whether or not we need to keep this guy on the field or we need to take this guy out? Yeah, your talent at tailback has uh, is going to go up dramatically. In fact, uh, the reason that SMU's tackles are tackles is because they're pretty good. Uh, in terms of athleticism and in, in, in the run game. And so uh, the second level is going to be essential for us, I think, especially early. If SMU shows they can run the football, it's going to put us in predicaments uh, in, in second and short, second and medium, and even first downs where they give us action. And, and you know, the defense has to respect both the run and the pass. So it's going to be – it'll be fun. I, I think, again, I think it's a, an opponent – where we have the latitude to say, hey, we're going to give the guys who uh, want the opportunity to be the main players, the Canics, the Stutz. I think Stutz is pretty entrenched. I think he's okay unless he you know, goes out there and bombs. <laughs> Sucks that Desan's not going to be available. Um, not playing Saturday. I imagine he doesn't play for another couple weeks. Uh, but it also is going to be a, a, a opportunity for these pups. Um, you, I told you last week, I love the way Kip played. He had a play very similar to the Bowen play in space, but his is on the line of scrimmage. He's holding the edge. They try to run an off tackle play. He stones. I don't know if it's a, if it's a, a tackle or the, the tight end second quarter, literally stones the guy, cuts the edge off and then crosses his face and makes the tackle. And by the way, it wasn't a glorious tackle. He throws his body in there. The, the defense comes and cleans up, but he does his job. And it's just those type of fundamentals that I haven't seen in years from our backers. Our backers would generally say, Hey, I have contained. They'll just throw their inside shoulder in and kind of like, hey, I did my job, but not even attempt to get into the play. He did that. So Saturday, I expect to see the same starters. You'll probably see Canick and, and Stetch roll out there. Harrington will be flanking them as the cheetah. All three of them will have a point to prove. Uh, I, I am hoping all three do well. I expect with another week of practice, their fits will be solid. I'd like to see them be a bit more physical. Because that first group of backers is really going to set the tone. If they come out, stone SMU, two-yard gains, tackles at the line of scrimmage, we're, we're playing on the opposite side of uh, the line of scrimmage early, it really takes away their confidence. And we roll them because there's a there's too many mismatches where we just have better dudes. But if that first possession, they're getting creases. And guys like Jalen Knight, who was a Sooner, and then transferred to, I believe, Miami, and now he's yep. – uh, out in Texas, guys like that are probably going to have a chip on their shoulder. Little LJ is a, is a is a guy who's probably going to get a cup of coffee in the league, and you know how running back is. All they need is a chance, and the kid's got vision. He's a pretty tough runner. Um, won't necessarily go 80 on you unless he breaks it, but he's a guy who's going to move the chains and, and be explosive enough to be a factor. And so, again, back to that ball bull. Ball Bull had that left-hand hook where he backs up against the ropes and then he runs up on you. And if he catches you, he's going to knock your ass out, right? So SMU, they've got some knockout power. Um, should they, right, put us in a position where for four quarters they're able to dominate us? They should not. But yeah, are I, those backers yeah. be a key? The backers are a key indicator, uh, Barry, to 
us knowing if this if the backers show up to walk in the park backers don't show up we kind of got a fist fight on our hands we got a fist fight and the offense has to play ball the, the dns have to go get the quarterback so on and so forth yeah i, I want to talk about the offense a little bit because you know when you talk about seniors that's really where smu is loaded right secondary especially they they got a good blend of transfers, guys from some bigger schools, so some West Virginias, uh, guys from some smaller schools, but they've got a nice blend of talent right there. And the offense, I mean, really had no issue with Arkansas State, but you didn't have Gavin Sawchuck. Will we see him in week two? I mean, I imagine so, but uh, remains to be seen. We know that he was banged up a little bit through camp. In the secondary, SMU has a few guys. Um, one of which six foot around 195 at corner at one of those corner spots who is going to try to make the windows a little bit tighter. OU has a chance though, DMAC, to go out there and really show game two that the 73 points wasn't just because they were playing Arkansas State. That is because they have really acquired some serious talent. They they found their rhythm. Lebby is, is kind of getting into his bag a little more now that he knows, probably knows the personnel better, right? He he knows what guys' strengths are. I, I imagine we probably see a little bit more Stogner in this game. Maybe a few packages where different guys are catching balls and, and it's a little more strategic. Uh, well, with how the, those things are called and managed throughout the game. But I think run game is going to be incredibly important, and we'll, we'll go into the, to the keys. If OU is a championship team, and I want to get your thoughts on this, if they are a team that potentially has a shot to win a Big 12 championship, this is a game where we saw it a little bit. I want to say the final numbers were about 220, 225 against Arkansas State. They need to go out there and dominate SMU physically in the run game. Dylan Gabriel, this needs to be a game where Dylan doesn't throw any more than 28 passes. This needs to be a game where it is about efficiency. It is about dominating the team that's in front of you across the line of scrimmage and about opening up holes. And I think this is one where you've got to break off some big runs. But if this team is legit about wanting to compete for a conference title, and you've got quarterbacks in the league like your Jalen Daniels, like your Quinn Ewers, who are going to make things tough whenever you go play them, right? They're going to give any defense at least some pause and reason for concern. OU's got to be able to be strong in the ground game. How much do you think this game, with just kind of that slight uptick, I'm not saying SMU is anything special across the defensive side of the ball, but the talent is improved, and you only went for 220 against Arkansas State, Len, you left when we watched the film. I showed a few plays over there on, on Twitter. There was a couple plays that Barnes had, right, where you need to make that last guy miss, right? Uh, Walker had a few of those. Uh, that there was a lot to go around, even offensive line. Maybe they don't get their eyes in the right place, just just quick enough. And and a defender is able to make the play. And it was really one defender a lot of times, DMAC, that was all that's left. And he ended up making the play against OU in week one. What will you be looking for in the run game? What do you kind of expect OU to get to in, in that regard? Do you think that running back depth chart is kind of shortened here in this one, especially if you start to see Sawchuck um, play? I mean, I think Sooner fans are really hopeful to see him go. Uh, but in terms of being a legit conference championship contender, what is it going to mean for them to go out there and really dominate this SMU team physically? So first things first, expect Sawchuck to play, expect him to start. I think on Saturday, the other guys who got their opportunities didn't show enough to deserve it. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to start. I don't I don't know, but I expect him to start because I didn't see anything Saturday that that gave me the, the belief that any of those other guys deserve to be the starter versus what we've seen from Sawchuck. Sands maybe Tyweed, but I think he's better as the, as a change of pace. That's just my opinion. But number one, expect Sawchuck, so we'll see something different, right? I think I said this the other day, or or pregame the pregame pod before the first game is mm -hmm. it's not an accident that for two years when Gray was the featured back, we didn't see explosive runs, and then Sawchuck's the featured back one game, and we bump our head in the goalpost two or three times. One gets called back, and then he really on the fumble, he's going to score too, right? So. Sawchuck brings some it that the other backs haven't shown yet. 
Um, but here's the huge benefactor. For the community who says DG is good enough, he I believe DG is good enough if the running game is formidable. And if the running game isn't formidable against SMU, who does not have a D-line that should be able to manhandle our O-line and does not have a guy on the second level who should be able to manhandle our backs, clearly a freshman starting at middle linebacker, right? That's problematic. That's a bigger issue for us thematically for the season. And so I, I really look at this twofold. Number one, we need to be able to run the ball when we want to. Um, three things. I'm going to say three, not two. One, we need to be able to run the ball when we want to. Two, I know Coach Murray, DeMarco, is 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 expecting the backs to take those eight-yard gains to the house or 20, 30 yards down the field. How many times did we see perfect blocking and the running back runs to the alley where the defender is versus the alley where it's open grass, right? <clears throat> so I really expect DeMarco to tell those guys, dude, when the opportunity presents itself, hit it, take it to the house. And that's why I think, um, based on that, that Chuck's going to get his, his fair share. But number three, if the running game is doing what it's supposed to do, it's going to be very simple for Dylan to hit his first read. <clears throat> Dylan's a really good first read quarterback. Three drops or three, three incompletions on Saturday. One of those is a flat drop. Farouk, sorry, bro. Like you a lot. That's a drop. And that's a big play drop. And he throws you a dime on the sideline. Catch the damn ball. Um, that's that's Dylan's uh, nice little safety net. That's a safety blanket. So that running game is going well. I expect Dylan to play excellent. That running game is not as successful. It'll be interesting to see how Dylan responds. I went back. I went back and watched the film twice. Most of Dylan's past plays, it was either a pre-snap read on quick game, which it's so. What that means is you throw it where they aren't. Right. You 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 read the defense. Oh, they're they're playing off two, they're playing off three, they're playing a cloud, they're flooding the the, the boundary, they're flooding the field, whatever. And you know, pre-snap, the ball is gonna go here now. Ton of petaways throws are done that way. Those quick, um, those quick arrow routes to the flats, those are all pre-snap, right? Quick game stuff. Or it was action and you're moving somebody on the second level uh out of their responsibility and you're throwing it to the open zone. Most of his completions were, or he was just throwing it over the top, right? That was 90% of his completions. If the defense doesn't have to run blitz or bring pressure and those backers can sit in the zones, it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun to see how Dylan responds to uh, a pretty even defense. And so that run game was going to give him the ability, right? Archie State found out the first two possessions. Go back, screw the rest of the game. You said this, I've said this, go back and watch the first two possessions. It's a hat on a hat. We probably should have had a big run that we didn't have because the running backs were running into the defenders. It's a hat on a hat. If we get that, SMU's got to respond and Dylan's going to be in good shape. If we don't get that and Dylan's got to move people with his eyes or go to the second read or the third read, it'll be interesting to see how he responds. I hope he gets a little bit of a mixture of both. I want him to experience that before we play Texas. I want him to have a little bit of that adversity where Lebby isn't just calling the perfect game and all of his first reads are available because it ain't going to be there every play against Texas. So I hope he gets a little adversity. And to be honest with you, I'm a guy who says he can lose you two games, but I still want him to win the damn games and be the starter as long as he can. So I hope he kills it this game. It'll just be interesting to see how he responds. Yeah, somebody wrote an article. I want to say it was one of the uh, kind of the OGs of the sports media market here in Oklahoma. And, you know, they said OU was here last year. Now, I don't think they took care of UTEP the same way that they took care of Arkansas State. But OU was in a position after their non-conference had completed right before they go and lose to K-State where you felt good about the offense. You generally felt good about the defense, but you saw that there were some talent deficiencies. You still knew that you had guys back there who probably should not be wearing the Sooner jersey in a starting lineup uh, sense for, for Oklahoma. This is going to be interesting, where if we don't see an OU team go out there and dominate, what does that mean as the season kind of goes forward? I, I want to ask in terms of OU has a five-star guy on the sideline, DMAC. They're trying to keep him engaged. This is the transfer portal era. 
No, I don't think Dylan's getting pulled and Jackson's playing. Dylan is going to go out there and play. I, I predict in this one, I, I got OU in my prediction of scoring 62 points. I think he goes out there and plays lights out. But it is transfer portal era. You want to keep guys engaged. I, I don't think there's a risk of Jackson leaving, but when you have a five-star on the bench, you want to keep that guy really caring about what's going on. Oh, you did it with Caleb Williams when they didn't need to in, in, in the non-conference uh, back when Riley was here, even though they had Spencer Rattler starting a quarterback. Over, under, five, four to five snaps for Jackson Arnold in, in this one. Do you think Levy's got maybe a package or two or or something where they might get might get tricky, might throw him out there on a you know, on a goal line play or something like that. Do you think that is something we see in this game or do you still kind of hold back and and wait maybe down the road at TU or break that out against Cincinnati? Barry always wants me to be the asshole. Um, So here's the short of it. We ain't winning the natty without Jackson. Again, you know what I'm saying? I I made some frenemies apparently by just being honest before. The truth is the truth, guys. We're not winning the natty with Dylan. And Dylan is a good guy. He's a great quarterback. He's our quarterback for now. But at Oklahoma, we play for ships. And when you got the kids good enough to play, you do. Again, Kayla Williams is the example. We're playing against Texas. We're down 21-7. By Rattler, Rattler made some bad throws, but the team is also not playing well. Guess what? We put in Caleb and the defense responded. Special teams responded. All of a sudden, we can block a little longer. All of a sudden, guys are making plays in traffic, catches in traffic, right? There's something to that with Jackson as well. And this is not me saying what I have my opinion is you've heard players say it coaches say it the program senses it the stadium felt it Saturday Dylan came in and played excellent Jackson played better the ball was faster he was faster the ball was thrown with more velocity he you know he was more in rhythm with his throws down the field it just is what it is so to your question I would be willing to bet 100 bucks there's a Jackson on a package minimum I would also be willing to bet we're so much better than than SMU that he'll probably get in sometime in the third quarter anyway because we'll be up big and we'll have leaned on them with the running game. And if the game is tight, one reason why the game could be tight is that Dylan isn't getting it done or there's bullets flying and he's not being able to go to a second and third read, which means he might need to play to help us win. So I think anyway, if we're winning and we're up big, he plays in the third quarter. If 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 we're playing in a game that's reasonably close, they probably have a package for him where he gets to come in one possession and play with the ones. And if the game is in flux, middle of the third quarter or whatever happens, part of that has to be because the quarterback isn't making plays. We're just too much more talented to, than them in many of the skill areas. One v one receiver versus corner, they're going to have problems with our six three six four receivers, and they're 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 DBs. They're going to have problems, right? And again, on the offensive line versus their defensive line, we should be able to move them. And so those those keys, you know, unless the O line just play terrible or the receivers drop the ball like KC last night. My God, I got Tony on my damn Ooh. fantasy. Tony was on my fantasy, man. Come on, bro. Killing me, right? Unless those two. Bro, I know. Kudos to the Lions, though. But yeah, they got a good coach. They do. And and they've been building the right way. Mm -hmm. So I can't hate. But unless those things happen, Dylan's probably a part of the reason we're not kicking ass if we're not kicking ass. Like, uh, by the way, Dylan might be the reason we are able to kick ass and we got to give him props. I said to people, if we win 11 games and Dylan's the main guy all year, I will happily eat crow. That means he got better. That means he heard me talking shit and 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 didn't like it and did something about it. I'm all in. I will become a fan, a big time fan. But uh, again, what I'm seeing right now, he's got to show me. Just like the, the backers have to show me, just like those DNs didn't impress me, they've got to show me. The quarterback's got to show me he's championship caliber, and 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 I today don't think he is yet. That That's my opinion. So, uh, Dylan, Will, I think we'll see Jackson. You said four plays? I think we'll see Jackson. Um, I, I would say, or the, so, the, you know, considering OU blows them out, I'm thinking more within the, the flow of the game. Do you think you see anything? Uh, I think we see Dylan two possessions through the third quarter, even if it's a close game. 
So if it's a if it's seven to ten points, I think there are two possessions where Dylan gets a chance to roll with the offense. Uh, they they they've got to get him some game reps. He's he's a guy who's going to need those reps, and this is another one like like we may not see Dylan against Texas unless he's gotten quality reps in these games and proven it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. You've got a kid that good. You've got to give him a chance to play in the game reps. And this is one of those games where I expect him to. I want to say one other thing. Trammell wrote the article. I think it's apples and doorknobs. And comparing this team to last year's team, last year team, like you said, but just very specifically and poignantly, had players playing in roles and responsibilities that they had no business playing in. BV was trying to run a system he ran at another school with players that were in Grinch's uh, defense, which is why we had an overhaul in the D line, which is why we brought in a ton of JUCO and transfers at cor- uh, at at in the second level, right? And then is why we brought two guys in at the backer level, right? So BV infused competition and quality depth in the areas to make sure his defense looked like his defense in year two. So yes, we did have some 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 big blowouts at the beginning of the year, but when you look at the raw data, again, another shout out to K- uh, Data Kyle. Uh, for pulling these numbers, uh, first downs last year to this year, I think you brought it up. UTEP out first downed us, right? And then yep. rushing yards, right? Rushing yards were a lot closer. They ran the ball a lot better, and we didn't run the ball nearly as good last year. And those are two data points that <clears throat> determine who dominated, even if the scoreboard doesn't say so. We dominated first downs last week, and we dominated running the ball versus them running the ball last week, which is why I say last week looked like a scrimmage. I think this is our real barometer to see if we dominate SMU like we dominated Archie State. That's a phenomenal data point to give us uh, some predictability for this year versus last. Yeah, I think so. I, I was at the UTEP game a year ago, and you felt that the physicality that was needed for, for OU to really go out there and, and win a championship of any kind just wasn't there, you know, regardless of quarterback, you know, I remember end of the game, uh, bird comes in for a handful of plays. And when he came in, you really felt it, but there was also this sense of, of he wasn't ready yet. Um, but before we get to, uh, a, a few keys to the game, DMAC, I want you to give three and then I, I'm, I'm going to throw three out there. I, I want to ask just in terms of And this is more something that as we were talking just kind of came to my mind, thinking of guys like Savion Bird, thinking of guys like Gavin Sawchuck, you know, thinking of guys like a Gentry Williams, a Jaden Rowe, guys who were on the bench a year ago who you knew weren't going to play, but you're probably seeing them on scout team and you're probably, if you're Coach Venable, seeing them make plays, right? You're, You're seeing the guys you you brought in contributing in a way and i want to ask you that in in terms of the 98 99 2000 range just the when you are a head coach and, and even you know some of the coordinators and, and assistants uh to some degree is it is there any kind of frustration seeing your team i mean really struggle throughout the year and then part of you knows, you know, if you're a football guy, Venable's been around a lot of teams. He knows what a talented football team looks like and what a championship contender looks like. And last year, I don't think he saw one when he went into the season. I think he knew what he had. But you do see those guys on the scout team making plays. Is there some sense with the coaches of, man, I just got to get through this year uh, and because I know what we've got in this following year or is, or is you not really thinking like that? Or or are there guys on the scout team who just they're dogs, but we want to make sure that they are ready for real and give them that time for development, even though, you know, athletically they might immediately elevate your team. Yeah. I mean, you want to play a freshman if they're ready evidence by Peyton Bowen, right? Evidenced by Canick last year, he kind of played because of default too. Um, RMT, but he also kind of played by default too. Uh, but there is the element of you want to play the guys that are ready. Uh, coaches don't have enough time to say next year. Coaches who are saying next year get fired. They get canned. They they literally get shown the door. Uh, I think I think BV's credentials have bought him two to three years, and I think 
His recruiting has solidified him at least another year. I think W's this year matter wholesale to him. Like they are, they are the probably the most equity that he has in his back pocket because I think we swing a couple of recruits if we win big this year. So when you're talking about those puppies, the Jaden Rose of last year, um, who are some uh the 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 Jacoby Johnson? of this year right you you're starting to stack the cover right i was talking to a buddy of mine and he said mackie we are ready at corner gentry's probably got a higher floor he's an nfl dude if he stays around but Roe has the highest ceiling and Roe is the light bulb is coming on so it'll be interesting to see if we see that translate in the field this year but if not you got seniors graduating you got woody going right yes those are going to be some good competition next year so to your point to your question um Venables, I don't think Venables expected to have a losing season. I think Venables got here and expected OU to have more talent on on just based on principle. It's OU, right? He's like, yo, you know, they they they've had Heisman quarterbacks. They've been in the playoffs recently. They got their ass kicked in the playoffs, but they've been there. They've been winning uh, conference championships. The year before he got here, we lost on the five yard line to Oki State, uh, and then he got here. And I mean, you know, you ask yourself this question. Um, Barry, you say, hey, do I go out and play a Jennings, a Spears Jennings or Roe, or do I play, um, you know, 25 Broyles? Do I go out and 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 play, you know, Kib Lewis, or do I play D White? You know what I'm saying? Like Kip's a work in progress and a pup and undersized. D. White's been in the program four years, got a ton of reps under his belt. You're hoping you can change some mentality and get him to improve. You're hoping Broyles, you know, we can find positions for him to, to, to be consistently successful. But college football is a game anymore. We talk about it all the time. The game is matchups. It's it's one-on-one basketball on grass. And if you've got a, a Broyles, if I remember Barnes, do you was that Broyles or Barnes against LSU four years ago? LSU and, was and, Broyles. Barnes uh, was oh, Alabama. Man. Alabama. Well, Broyles against LSU. I mean, they literally threw at him every single time. If he's in the slot, they moved Jefferson or the other kid into the slot. When he was on, you know, if he was at high safety, they ran those guys through the safety. Like they literally picked on him. OU doesn't have that issue anymore. And the puppies they are bringing in, Barry, have substantially higher ceilings. So BV, I, I got to give him kudos, man. And it sounds like I'm a crimson color glasses, but he did a great job of infusing talent and turning over the roster. But last year, it was just, it was just a rock and a hard place, right? Your options were four years players who probably, think about it. Here we go. Here we go. And I know I know this was a quick point, but let's just let's just let's just submit the point. Okay, you ready? Let's do it. Uh two. Where is he now? OU. Do you know? Do you know where do you know where DU is? Oh, oh, oh yeah. University of Houston. Is he starting? No. Do you know what position he's at? I think he's a defensive end. Last year's starting middle backer at OU is a second string D end at Snap. the University of Houston. Snap. Do you know where D White is? Do you know where D White is? I don't know where he's at. Is he is he is he playing Pro Bowl? No, I don't think so. Is he in somebody's camp? I don't think so. Did he make it to final cuts? So your starting cheetah Ooh. is a guy who was an by the way, I'm not hating on these guys, but it just right, like think about that. How many years are OU? These are these are two starters, and we didn't even bring up Broyles. We know Broyles is a GA at OU, which I think is a good fit for him. I think that's awesome. I'm, I hope he kills it. Like those are your key contributor starters. Your middle backer at OU is a backup DN at a at a small conference school. Your your Cheetah slash Willie, you know whatever you want to call him, backer isn't even getting a cup of coffee in the NFL. Your starting high safety. Right, is a GA because he couldn't even get an invite. You think the kid wants to stop playing if he doesn't have to? Most of us want to play until they make a stop or until we're like myself in a hospital bed and I can't stick my tongue out straight. Right. If they I would have kept playing until they told me to stop playing. No hate on those guys. But what else did 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 BV have? He had Kip Lewis and Canick. That's what he had. Right. So he played the cards he was dealt. What else did he have as safety? He had puppies, he had Spears Jennings. Rose a corner, so not even row, and he had broils. Right. So uh 
you take your lumps, you learn the lesson, you lick your freaking wounds, and it's a new season, damn it. You strap up and you say, hey, we're going to go out with the dogs. We got You go recruit in the offseason, which we did. We'll see how that shakes out. You go win the, the battle for the five-star at safety, right? You go get a, a one of the best ju- Juco corner slash nickel guys in Dolby, and then you go recruit another two or three corners, and you put all those mother suckers in competition. Damn it. Who's going to come to work every day? Who's going to stay late? Who's going to come early? Who's going to be uh, fundamentally sound? And then you prepare to play football in August. And and, and you can't hate on that. We just got to produce on the field. Man, well, we didn't really touch on it, but um, well, we saw that Clemson game. Uh, the Duke, I mean, <laughs> took it to him. And I want to give you this stat. I don't know if you saw it. That this is the value that Venables brings to a program. And one of the things that stuck out um, and then we'll kind of hit hit the keys of the game. One of the things that stuck out was OU's just overall athleticism on the defensive side of the ball and the way the players just looked and moved. And that was the same thing the entire time he was at Clemson. Clemson had that look about them. They had guys in the secondary who played physical. They had guys a linebacker who can move. And, and OU isn't quite there on the defensive line yet, but it's going in that right direction. And you saw Clemson and you said, man, something is off. Something is just not quite what it was. And I want to give you this stat. Um, and credit to uh, Jamie Shaw uh, for posting this over there on uh, X. It's weird. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is now 40 and 23 without Brent Venables as his DC with Venables DMAC. Sweeney's record as a head coach is 121 and 17. So 23 losses in about 63 games versus 17 losses in a little under 140 games. That that is the difference that a, a great evaluator, somebody who knows what they're looking for, and that was he was that's what he was brought there to do. I think a lot of people forget that when he left OU, the defense in 2012 was not. It was they had issues. Those issues, those issues, DMac, I think would have gladly been taken in like 2017, 2018. They were worth a natty. They were worth Brother, a natty in 100 percent. So uh, so let's get to it, man. Three, three quick uh, keys to the game. I'll, I'll give you mine first. I think this is one where OU was clean in the turnover department, but you go play a team like SMU who has the ability to be explosive. I, I think in every game it matters, but in a game like this where you do not want it to get dicey early on, as you brought up, you don't want to have to put a second-string quarterback in there because you're you're just off a tick. Right, you want everything to go smooth, and part of that is no turnovers, so no no interceptions, no fumbles. I think linebacker play utmost priority. You talked about it. To me, that is the that's the thing I'll be watching. I think with the most keen interest. I think the secondary at the end of the day is going to play well, but a lot hinges on if SMU is out physicaling the Sooners, especially at the point of the uh, of attack, especially in the run game. Doesn't bode well for the game, does not bode well for OU down the road. So watching that with really a keen eye. And the next one, man, wide receiver productivity. Want to see the wide receivers continue to progress. Yeah, you went out there and did it against Arkansas State. Do it again this week against SMU. I want to see guys like Gavin Freeman, not just in the special teams department, but make plays on, on offense um, catch a catch a five yard slant and take it to the house. Well, you know, want to see plays like that that are plays that championship teams go out there and make. Would love to see Jaden Gibson continue his run. Uh, I'm sure he probably earned some earlier snaps from the coaching staff based on how he's played, and then also just what you've heard with with how he's taken. I, I know Venable spoke about him, Dmac, kind of glowingly in the press conference. And he was pretty honest. He said when Jaden Gibson got to OU, he was relatively immature. Said that he just he really struggled with the uh the just the scheduling, the showing up, the being where you're supposed to be. And, and you know as well as any, that stuff matters. You gotta be there on time. You gotta come ready to play. And and seeing him this year, 
just in game one, he said there's been tremendous growth. So, so Sooner Nation wants to know that those are my three keys. I think those kind of tell the story for the game. For DMAC, what are the three keys and things that OU fans need to be watching for OU against SMU? Uh, I'm not going to pick the cliche third downs and, and all that stuff. Uh, number one is we need to be able to run the football. Um, believe it or not, I want to see Dylan continue to thrive in the pass game. I think he's not just a pure drop back passer. He needs to uh, have a run game to complement what he wants to do. So I want to see us run the football. I want to see our defensive ends and really the D-line in general get pressure with four and or just win 1v1 battles. All right. The, I think that's critical. If we're able to do that, they don't have a chance. They can't they can't consistently put pressure on our back seven um, or back eight. If we've got the D line dominating their five on four or five on three plus a rusher. Um, and then last but not least, I want to see, you know, I think the last question mark just in the short term on this team is who's the alpha dog at running back. I want to see Chuck should be playing tomorrow. I, 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 if Chuck plays, I think we'll have our first hundred back, a hundred yard rusher at running back. And I think it's him. Um, if Chuck doesn't play, I'll, I'll be, well, Chuck's going to play. I, 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 I'd be willing to bet money he plays, but outside of him, if, if someone else says, damn, Chuck's here, let me, let me elevate and let me improve, uh, because they want to be an alpha. I don't think anybody has owned that job yet. Uh, but dang, they left the door wide open. You can't go in a glorified scrimmage and you guys are getting form tackled eight, nine yards upfield. Come on, man. I don't you. Nah, can't do that. So I think I think alpha dog D line domination and then us being able to run at will so we can run action and, and run some RPO stuff and, and hit the first read with our quarterback. Fantastic stuff. OU is not the only team playing on Saturday. DMAC got a few other big ones out there um got the old list pulled up here but uh want to go down and talk about a few of them uh for, we talked about colorado in, in that last podcast here let me actually pull up the uh full list of games that we had um wisconsin interesting team they're, they're actually so when i saw i was looking at it today and i did not realize that texas and alabama are not the uh, the ABC game. They are an ESPN game at six o'clock. The ABC game is Wisconsin and Washington State. Wisconsin, you know why that is, right? You know why, that why is, is that? Right? Uh uh-uh. uh. SEC SEC owns the ESPN uh, contract going. That's year, right. So they want to start taking that's that so primary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, that's it's gonna so be like weird. it's gonna be like ninety five percent ESPN starting next year. So they're trying to let people know we're gonna put the prime time games on ESPN. Sometimes and not just ABC. I like it. I like CBS. I like CBS. Is uh, CBS has the best uh, product as far as I'm concerned. But ABC is cool. I, I like. I like ESPN's night stuff just as much. Yeah, I, I noticed in the uh, FSU game they had the uh, they got the new cameras. Man, they got the CBS. Uh, mm. Like uh, yeah, like the they, Madden. They look good. Yeah, they it looked look it looked good. That that um, FSU LSU game looked really good. Uh, but Luke yep. Fickle taking over at Wisconsin. Um, anything interesting to watch in that one? Anything just uh, just kind of a whatever game? Washington State's probably a, an also ran this year. I don't think they're going to be doing anything special. Um, prop, probably right, have, whiskey have, big. Do, what? do they have a conference yet? They don't have a conference. They're, they're oh, con- my they're, gosh. Them and State are two conference-less teams. They Give me whiskey. Like, yeah, they don't have a conference. Cal, Stanford, left. Uh, Wazoo and, and Oregon State are probably going to be Mountain West. <laughs> They're probably going to be Mountain West here in a couple weeks. <laughs> Mountain West. Give me whiskey because of the coach. I'm a fan of the coach, his style of football. I like, I yep. like his mantra. Give me whiskey just because I know he's going to have those guys ready to play. Yeah, I, th- I think he is the perfect coach for Wisconsin. Uh, next one, man. Oregon, Texas Tech. Texas Tech coming off of a hugely disappointing L. What do you think of the Red uh, uh, That was just, I mean, you can't do that. They had hopes of, you know, some people had them fringe CFP, definitely in play to win the conference. And then they go out there and they lay a dud. What do you think with them in Oregon? 
the hopium, man. The hopium is cracks me up. Texas Tech is Texas Tech. Do they play in Eugene or do they play in Lubbock? I I, I had it pulled up early. I believe it's in Eugene. That that's that's Let, important. Let's see here. I, I think it is in Eugene. Here's the difference. Nope, it's, if it's no, in Eugene. Nope, in Lubbock. It's in Lubbock. It's in Lubbock. Okay. So here's the difference. If it's in Eugene, give me Oregon plus um, minus twenty. If it's in Lubbock, give me Oregon minus eight. Oregon wins by more than a touchdown. Uh, Texas Tech starts the season out 0-2. They get a dose of reality. And I'm kind of upset we don't play them in a regular season because I'd like to kick that ass. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think I think Oregon goes out there and gets it done. Quarterbacks too. Yeah, man. That that they um Dan Lanning is kind of the right guy for a job like that. Perfect timing yep. for them too to go to the Big Ten. Like he's the right. It's almost like Oregon saw the future a little bit and USC didn't, but Dan Lanning is the kind of coach that you want going in to try and play in the Big Ten and compete. Uh, Riley, I think, with the physical brand, kind of slow it down, muck it up brand of football that the Big Ten has historically played. Also, a lot of cold weather games. It's going to be an issue, I think. Let's see here. What do we want to get to next? Ah, Texas A&M, Miami. DMAC. We'll look up where this one's at. I think that one was in Miami, correct? Yeah, pretty, pretty sure it's in, in South Gables. I guess they don't play okay. there anymore. Pro Stadium, I think. So, watch Miami in their first game against the other Miami. Miami of yep. Ohio. Uh, yep, it is in uh, in Miami. Uh, wife's old neck of the woods. What do you think about the Hurricanes and the Aggies, man? You want my heart or my, my head? G- give me... Give me heart first, and then we'll go with head. <laughs> My heart says Miami shows up and, and and gives us glimpses of the U Rock and the old unis. You see how they had them little pretty boy oh. uniforms five years ago, and then they went back to the dog uniforms of the 90s. Uh, my heart says Miami shows up and plays winning football and wins uh, in a nail-biter. Home court advantage gets them to win. My head says, I was telling you offline, A&M's quarterback played well. They've got a they've got a bona fide one receiver. I forget his name, but he's a stud. He scored two or three times, one v one. Um, the quarterback's a good enough athlete throwing and running that AM probably finds a way to win this game. But my heart hopes that uh Miami can win by three. Head says Texas Tech wins by by uh three and a half, four points. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh I think AM probably gets it done. Just too much talent. Miami's still uh I, I think Cristobal will eventually get it turned around. I know he's taken a, a couple recent recruiting L's. One of them, I don't even it was hardly an L. I think OU was pretty much David Stone's choice all the way, but that hat was still up there on the table, D Mac, and that's all that matters. So yep. according to the, the yep. casual public, Miami took the L. Colorado, oh, oh yeah, I, I think AM gets it done. Uh Colorado and Nebraska. This is a, a little bit of a throwback, man. The Colorado Nebraska game that sticks out to me, and I want to hear your thoughts. I think it was 2002, and it was Chris Brown. Wow. Not not like C Breezy, but like the original Chris Brown running back for the Colorado Buffaloes. They also had another guy, Biden. too. Yeah. yeah. They had a, they had yeah. another guy. But OU was – that they needed, for whatever reason, I believe that that game somehow impacted or ha- had a, an effect on the uh, the Big 12 championship. Like, thinking back, I'm not positive what the, the play was or, or what the the scenario was. But Colorado goes out there and drubs Nebraska. I want to say it was like 63-28, something like that. And it was really, I mean, if you want to put a date on it, probably the downturn of Nebraska football. After that, they really weren't the same. I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin. But dion has got this team playing well, at least in their home opener. They go out there, and or their away opener, go out there and they handle TCU. Nebraska's got Matt Rule. That program's going to take a little bit to uh, get built back up, but I think Rule's probably the guy for the job. I think Dion goes out there and does it again, D-Mac. What do you think? First things first, I'm a Dion fan all year. Is what it is. They got he's got the he's got the more talented roster, uh, and I think Dion's a guy who plays well under pressure. 
Uh, give me Colorado. They're going to win by seven points. <laughs> I don't care where the game's being played. I said it last week. His son's an NFL quarterback. And they're a little slot receiver guy. He's an NFL dude. And Hunter is an NFL DB. So he's got three guys on his team that are going to be bona fide guys playing on Sunday. At the end of the day, players win games. And they're all bought in. You know, we come in, we hear, we win it. The next one is going to be we win in. Give me 2-0. and Give me 3-0 and after they beat Colorado State next week going into, I believe, Oregon. Uh, end of the month. All right. And the non-OU game of the week. We're going to pick the OU score here in just a bit. Texas, Alabama. This time it is in Tuscaloosa, DMAC. Um, I, I gave pick on that last one. You gave your pick first on this one, then I'll uh, I'll tell you my thoughts. Does Nick Saban go out there and uh, and dominate the Longhorns, or does Sarkeesian say Texas is really back this time and uh, and and starts that uh the the trend of of some winning tradition um, at the University of Texas? I think the public. Opinion and the casuals want a good game. Give me Bama big. As much as people want to give credit to Texas for barely losing last year, uh, Bama severely underperformed. Severely. Uh, they played bad by their standards. Bama gets Bama has this as a bulletin board game for them as well. Uh, uh, Bama's going to come out and let them know little bro ain't, ain't, ain't there yet. Little bro meaning Sarkeesian versus Saban. Uh, give me Bama by more than a touch. I, I would say Bama by two touchdowns. I am I am so with you on this one. Not only I was talking with somebody about this today. Not only is Saban saying we we missed the playoff. We're you know everybody's saying Saban's on the downturn of his career. Everybody is saying that that you know will he be able to regain the spark? Has Kirby Smart officially overtaken him? He's also heard all year. How Texas's L, we talked about it immediately after the game, was basically a win. The players have heard it all year, right? That that stuff isn't, there's it's not in a vacuum. That's not muted. They see all that on social media. Texas claiming the moral victory. I think that in and of itself has been enough to fuel Saban. I, I am sure that they have had this circled. Also, Texas coming to the SEC next year. This is a chance to uh kind of uh, Make a statement. Get your point across. I agree. I think this one, I could absolutely see this going going to the neighborhood of a like a 30 to 10, 35, 14 type game where Alabama just completely dominates. Start to finish. I don't think they're going to go out there and score 60 points, but I do think it's going to be a, a thorough beatdown. They have heard all year, by the way, how Ewers, if he doesn't go out, if Ewers doesn't get hurt, man, that secondary, the entire Alabama defense, guaranteed they're licking their chops. That's got to be uh, it's got to be something that's uh, been on their minds all offseason. Final game, DMAC, and we will pick the score on this one. I'll give you my score first. I think OU goes out there and dominates. I think OU finally gives up a, a score for the season. I think SMU gets 20 on the board, but OU starts the trend of about, you know, what we say, 20 to 22 points per game allowed this year on defense is going to be kind of the mark of whether or not they're championship caliber, at least for the Big 12. I think OU goes out there, they don't hang 70, but they get to 62. Give me 62-20, and part of that 62-1 defensive touchdown last week it was special teams this week one defensive touchdown OU goes out there 62 20 for the Sooners you you over here starting a championship story I like it uh give me Sooners I think we score in the 40s I think we do have a couple of hiccups on offense I don't think everything clicks like it did last Saturday um I believe we score 47 uh I I believe the defense is probably gonna give up four scores Two TDs, two field goals. Give me 47-20. A win good enough to make us feel good about uh, the season thus far, but a win that still puts that little twinge in the back of our mind of, 
Are we going to show up in September and then start to fall apart October? 47-20, it'll give us some good things to talk about as we do our post-game after the game. I'll be having 10 thoughts about who played well, who played well, and who did not. Um, and we'll be on to Tulsa. Tulsa will be another glorified scrimmage. Shout out to Coach Spurry and Coach Wilson up there coaching my old coaches from back in the day. Uh, Barry, I've got 47 to 20. And I think player of the game is Sacha. Ooh, I like that, man. I think defense is going to be where uh, I think this is the one where we finally see the the Venables could kind of look right that 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 athletic uber aggressive gets after the, if the, if OU goes out there and they dominate and, and kind of engulf an opponent like SMU I think it bodes well down the stretch for the season I really do um, but I, I think a defensive player stands out give me Billy Bowman as player of the game on this one maybe some gorilla nuts too I I think the uh, the corners are going to have to play well that though SMU isn't loaded at receiver that they've got some good guys you know they're solid not like a running back but quarterback can complete some throws corners are going to have to play a little bit um but the post game will be on and popping so make sure you're tuning in i think we were one of the first podcasts to the post game and we are making that really a point this year dmac we're going to try and really be on it for you guys have that content out as quick as we possibly can so you all can enjoy it and hear our thoughts but in the meantime make sure you're going to sooners360.com checking out all the cool things we're doing over there but follow the show over there on twitter at barry and mac shw follow me at bys fitness at the letter b w i s e fitness dmac at d underscore mac 13 we posted the little video clips of the gorilla nuts player of the week gorilla nuts dmac it's catching on it's catching on sir excuse our candor excuse our candor uh <laughs> listen i i who you got we got we got to go one out you got to throw a nerf for me bro who's your who's your who's your gorilla nuts pregame uh it could be offense or deep we got to do one for each Who's going to have them Gorilla Nuts come Saturday? Who you got? Give me Savion Bird. Man, that's an easy one. He's got Gorilla Nuts, bro. He's going to kill <laughs> yeah, I gotta, All right, let me, all right, all right, all right. Let me get, let me get, let, let me get a, uh, you know, you know who I think it's going to be? You, you know who's been talked about? And I'm going to stay offensive line. He had a, a okay. good, solid first game. I'm going to go Andrew Rain. Good for you. That's what I'm I think talking Andrew, about. I think Andrew Rame, you're right. Savion's a little easy. I do think he goes out there and, and they try to make a statement, especially Sawchuck coming back. If Sawchuck is legitimately available and he's going to be a feature back for Oklahoma, I think everybody on that O-line gets amped up for, for him to play. I'm sure they want to you know, allow him to break off a couple big ones. But give me Andrew Rame. I think he goes okay. out there and, and starts proving the doubters wrong. Give me a defensive guy. Mm, let's see. Ooh. Give me a hot take. L- let's go. I'm gonna take. no. I'm I'm gonna give you a hot take. Let's go, Ethan Downs. Ethan Downs showed a little bit last game. He showed. He we talked about okay. it. He leaned up. He's looking a little a little cleaner in the physique. Run game, by the way, was an area OU struggled to really hold that edge a year ago. That was that was a problem. That that they really had to get in this offseason, get into the lab and figure out how to be better there. So much so that they went out and got two other defensive ends. But I think what Downs is doing in terms of his snap count, way more within his range to be an effective player than how it was previously, basically playing the entire game. Give me Ethan Downs, Gorilla Nuts, Player of the Week. I like it. I like it. I don't like it. So, so FY, you know, I posted on Twitter today. I said, hey, give me the score. Give me your offensive MVP, defensive MVP. And, of course, I put the Gorilla Nuts. Reggie Pearson's leading the way. Ooh. Reggie's leading the way on Gorilla Nuts. Now, uh, who's this? Travis Cunningham has Andrew Rame. He's with you on Andrew Rame having Gorilla Nuts 
Uh, and then I see um, he's got he's got downs as the defensive MVP of the game as well. Um, I think offensively, I, I, I am going to just call out Sawchuck is going to show what makes him so much different than the other backs we have in the stable. So Sawchuck's my offensive gorilla nuts. As you can see, I'm I'm parking a ton of my money in his uh, in his stock right now. And then on defense, I'm going with the pup. He did it last week. I think he has some of that it on defense that makes a championship caliber team. Give me Peyton Bowen with a turnover. In fact, uh, Barry, if you want a hot take from me, he might be your defensive score. He might be your guy who who has a uh, big six. So I'm going with Sachuk, Peyton Bowen. Uh, I look forward to seeing Stunts and Canik separate and show that they're the true blue starters. If not, Kip is... Kip is layering. If you guys watch film, Kip is showing consistency on film, but I want to see, I'd like to see Stutz and Canik be guys who separate themselves and say, we're the top dogs. The rest of you guys can rotate in when we're tired. I love it. Sooner Nation, make sure you all tune in for the post-game show. We will be bringing it to you guys um, as quick as we can, quick as we can get that thing out. We're watching, we're making notes, we're uh, seeing what's going on, and we're going to get on here and talk about it. And as always, give you the unfiltered thoughts. Uh, but great stuff today, DMAC. As always, uh, Sooner Nation, again, make sure to go follow the social media. Oh, I'm posting stuff over on the gram again, too. Go follow at the Barry and Mac show on Instagram. Just remember that. I've been been a little more consistent there, man, getting those videos up. But thank you all so much for tuning in today. Fantastic stuff, as always. We will see you soon.